Shalom, I am Alan. And I am Leontine. Alan and I are professional tour guides, friends, and immigrants to Israel. In this podcast, we talk about everything Israel and our life here. I moved to Israel, fulfilling a lifelong dream after 30 years as a trial lawyer in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have a lot to say about my homeland. And I was born in Holland, then lived and worked as a licensed tour guide in France and ended my journey living and working in Israel. Yalla, let's go! Shalom, Leontine. Hey, Ellen, how are you? I'm great. Boker Tov and Shavua Tov. A good week to you and good morning. I should also say to you, Chodesh Tov. You know, we also say, we say Boker Tov, good morning. Shavua yeah. Tov, good week. And then every month we say Chodesh Tov, a, a good new month, because last week was the uh, celebration of the new month uh, of the Jewish month of Elul. How was the first week of your new month? So it was very good. There was actually a beautiful, like uh, we had a... Um, lunch, uh, sorry, dinner uh, on our balcony, and we saw uh, the new moon, because that's uh, what happens eh, when every new month is a new moon. So um, listen, my week was good. Uh, something really fun happened to me. I went to my local wine store. The owner, kind of vaguely, we know each other, but we don't really know each other. And I was ordering the wine and so on. And then he asked me my name. So I said, um, Leontine or Leo. And he said, oh, you're from the podcast uh, he, he, I recognize your voice so it turns out he is a listener um, when he goes uh, on his scooter home apparently he's listening to our podcast so he told me I'm at number nine so he's you know it's beginning so I felt uh, almost like a star like a <laughs> famous that's star great. that's that's Evitar at uh, Kosbracha yeah, it's called Bracha. I have no idea what his name is. Yeah, it's Evitar. Okay. He was, he was my wine guy first. Ah, so that's maybe why. Okay, I thought yeah. it was. But, um, you don't remember, uh, actually, remember when Gabby worked um, at the wine bar? She ah, on Aza, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, that was Evitar's uh, oh, restaurant. So the link, okay. Okay, so it's understandable. Oh, but still, I, he, like, he recognized my voice. Speaking about wine, I'm really happy we're back in the bar. In the, so, guys, if you hear some noise, it's from people uh, walking around and having breakfast and the fridge is going on and off. We're back in the bar of the Brown Hotel, not in your house anymore, which was also very nice, but it's also good to be back in the Brown Hotel. Yes, thank you, uh, Villa Brown, on the Street of the Prophets in Jerusalem. Right, and how was your week, Ellen? Uh, it's a great week. You know, so uh, Rosh Chodesh, uh, the new month, uh, it's funny because, um, look, it's celebrated a lot of different ways. Uh, uh, half Hallel is said, which is giving praise and thanks to God for, for you know, everything revolves around the moon and around the, the calendar. Uh, but it, I, I always, it, it, I laugh because my son-in-law, uh, Yaakov, you know Yaakov. Yes. Uh, Yaakov, uh, he and his, uh, his band of brothers and sisters, they celebrate uh, Rosh Chodesh every month uh, by wearing bathrobes, and they call it robe chodesh uh, really yeah yeah yeah. it's uh, kind of his thing it's okay uh, at least since <laughs> i've known him it's been his thing um and uh, even one time i went to a wedding sometimes weddings are on rosh chodesh it's a good time to have a wedding and they wear all bathrobes. Oh, all of his buddies were wearing bathrobes and i 
put one on myself uh, over my tuxedo. Ah, okay. And he's really like, is he a normal guy? I mean, is he okay? <laughs> is your daughter okay, I should say? Uh, they're wonderful. They're great. And uh, they have to be great. They're the, they're yeah. the parents of my uh, granddaughter. Levana. Levana. Which means... Uh, moon. Exactly. Moon, ah, right, yeah. for the Rosh Kodesh. Uh, right. Rosh Kodesh is so important that they na named their daughter after the moon. Exactly, Levana. exactly. Yeah. I have actually a niece who is a uh, niece of my first husband, but that I'm still close with, who is also, her name is Levana. When they named Levana, mm -hmm. they named her uh, in the uh, moon grove of Jerusalem. I remember. Yeah. I was there. It was a hippie fun uh, they were barefooted they were not in bathrobes but barefooted i remember yeah you look they're from tacoa <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we'll talk about that later in another podcast what yes. that means mm -hmm. being from tacoa uh but anyway let's uh let's move on with our topic of the day yeah uh the main topic today is the land of milk and honey uh, many of our listeners have heard uh israel uh, the promised land for some people the holy land referred uh, as the land of milk and honey. That's because in the Jewish Bible, the Jewish Bible refers to Israel, the promised land, as a land flowing with milk and honey. So people often wonder, they ask, well, where's the, where's, because it doesn't reference where the milk and where the honey is or where it comes from. So where is the uh, milk and honey? Where is the milk and honey? So the milk definitely is in the Golan. I would say, <laughs> where the cows are. Uh, but, of course, they are also around Jerusalem and in the deserts because there we have the sheep and the goats, right? Yeah. And I guess those were the, the animals that were there originally, the, not the Dutch cows eh, that they have in the Golan now. They were not here in the time of the Bible. So what's, what's a Dutch cow? A Dutch cow is a black and white cow that is like a champion in giving milk, it gives something like 250 or 300 liters of milk per day. Oh, those Dutch. That's why you like cheese so much. Of course. It's yeah. in, my, in my blood. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't, you can't leave Jerusalem or even live in Jerusalem or go anywhere in this land, this land of Israel, without seeing herds of uh, uh, goats and sheep. You see Bedouin all over Israel, in the Negev, in the Arava, in the Judean desert. When you're heading down, uh, driving from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea or Masada, uh, you see the hills. Uh, you look off to the right, off to the left, up in the top of the hills, the bottom of the hills, and you'll see a shepherd, usually a boy and sometimes a, a female with their donkey and their, their, uh, their um, what do you call it, the uh, sheep dog. A female, you mean a girl? Uh, sometimes it's a woman. I sometimes oh, okay. see elderly women. Okay. Uh, they're also shepherds. Mm -hmm. uh, but you see the goats all over Israel in the Galilee and also in the Golan. Uh, probably you see more goats than you do um, uh, uh, cows. So I could argue you see the, the milk. Every, every time you walk out your door, you see the milk in the goats. We have most of our cheese in Israel is goat cheese. Yeah. I mean, you do have some cow cheese, but most is goat cheese. So the land of milk is uh, arguably the goats. You say cows in the Golan, uh, but uh, that's, I would expect you and I to, to have a different, different perspective. Of course, of course, exactly. Yeah, so the, and, and by the way, the, the camels, they also give, uh, they give milk. And I guess in those days, there were camels in yeah, the biblical when, times. When was the last time you drank camel milk? Uh, personally, I never drank the camel milk, but I do know they, they, 
do drink it, I think, no? Yeah, 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 yeah. they do. And yeah. they also eat the meat. You know, in, in America and around the world, Kentucky Fried Chicken mm -hmm. is very popular. The fast food uh, chicken place called Kentucky Fried Chicken, also referred to as KFC. Yeah. Uh, well, in Hebron, they call it KFC, Kentucky Fried Camel. Uh, because when you drive through Hebron, you actually see the camel meat uh, hanging on hooks. Mm. Um, but it's, it's camel not meat, so it's not kosher. It is not kosher. Okay. So okay. I've never, I've never eaten right. uh, camel meat, and I've never, uh, I've never ha uh, taken drink, drank uh, camel milk. Right, right. So, the, so the goats uh, actually, well, the, there is the milk, of course. But then, when the goats um, are too old, I guess, to give milk. The Bedouins, they use their skin to make their tents from because they are very uh, good uh, isolation against the sun in the summer and very good isolation against the cold in the winter. So it's really an animal adapted to the, to the climate and to the land, I would say. And it is true uh, that you see the goats everywhere. I know that uh, sometimes even like in Jerusalem, right, there is uh, very close to uh, Talpiot, there is um, an Arab uh, neighborhood uh, where some people are, are still farmers, it's like a half a village, half a neighborhood, and they have uh, they have the goats walking around there. I also know because I work for the JNF sometimes, uh, Jewish National Fund, that there are uh, farmers everywhere in uh, in Israel that have um, like agreements with local Bedouins, where they ask the local Bedouins to come with their uh, sheep and, and goats to certain forests or um, areas so that they, the, the, the animals can eat the bushes and this is to avoid uh, fires. So the, you, you have sometimes Bedouins in place where you don't expect them at all, but it's actually they were asked to come to travel with their stock and, uh, and have them graze, eat the, eat the uh, bushes and so on, so that they're later in the year when it is drier, there's not going to be uh, fires anymore. Oh, that's so great. Uh, the, the, so the milk is somewhat obvious. Uh, it's from the goats, the camels, or the, uh, the cows, which we see uh, plentiful in, in the land of Israel, in the promised land. But what is more complicated and perhaps more uh, not so obvious is where does the honey come from? Mm, true. So a good European, I would say bees, but we, and we do have some honey production here, we do. Uh, but I don't think, well, actually also in the old times we had some honey production, but I don't think it's actually the bees. What do you think it is? So, um, of course, the first thing that would come to one's mind about honey is uh, bee honey, uh, bee honey uh, industry. And when uh, Jews and Christians and, and Europeans start coming to the land of Israel uh, in the late 1800s, um, they're looking for, they're, they're ex excavating, surveying the land, looking for biblical connection, uh, and looking for this idea of the land of milk and honey. And when they excavate, it doesn't seem so obvious that there was a bee honey industry here. But what they do start finding is presses, ancient presses for dates. And this is a land of dates. When you're driving down the Jordan Valley from Tiberias around the Canaret Sea of Galilee all the way to a lot in the Red Sea, it's filled with date palm trees. Uh, and now we found in those areas, we find in those areas ancient date presses to make date syrup or honey that we call in Israel Ceylon. 
So it's the belief today that the reference in the Bible 16 times about the land of milk and honey is talking about goat milk and date honey. Exactly. Yeah, I know that there are two things that come to my mind is the, the people in Qumran uh, that um, wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. They basically, their uh, food every day was dates. They had, uh, they had ate them like that. They had date uh, wine, uh, date candies, I guess. So, uh, you know, everything was about the dates. And, and very close by you have, of course, Jericho. And I, I, I'm always, uh, to, you know, I've seen it so many times, but each time you, you take the road from Jerusalem and you go to the Dead Sea, and then when you're close to the Dead Sea, suddenly you have Jericho on your left, and it's in the middle of the desert, and you see a huge green patch with thousands of palm trees, eh? and, and Jericho is an oasis eh? mentioned in the Bible, and there it is in front of you. It is really, until today, it is an oasis of palm trees. Um yeah, some people say the Jericho dates are some of the uh, the best uh, dates yeah, in the world. They are, yeah, they are, they are. So, uh, yeah, so I would say that the honey is the dates. Now you do get very good um, honey here in, uh, like bee honey in uh, in Israel. I have to say, and you do see those white boxes here everywhere, standing everywhere. Um, but like you say, the 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 date syrup is. Mm, it's cheaper, much did cheaper. Say, first did, you say, did you say syrup? Ah, it's not syrup? Well, you say tomato, I say tomato. How do you say it in uh, Memphis? Uh, syrup. Oh, okay. Sirop, we say in Syrop. Uh, and okay. sirop in uh, Dutch. Yeah, but so, so go, driving from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea, which is about a 35-minute drive, you can see the, the, the goat milk uh, and the date honey. So you see, clear as day, uh, the land of milk and honey. But the idea of the date honey was a little bit shattered when in uh, 2007 they were excavating in the Jordan Valley. Do you remember we saw? No, you didn't go with us. Uh, Shmuel and I went to a place called um, Tel Rechov. Ah, yes, Tel Rechov. I didn't go, but I saw photos, yes. You know, I drove by Tel Rechov. You know, I always drive by Tel Rechov on my way up the Jordan Valley to the Galilee. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's along the Jordan Valley in what we call the Beit Sheon Valley, very close to the city of Beit Sheon, east of the Gilboa Mountain Ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a tell, a hill, an artificial hill of many levels of civilization. Uh, and I was actually passing there last week. And the whole tell is black. It had a, a grass fire. Oh. Uh, but the story of Tel uh, Rechob is that there, in 2007, they actually did find an ancient, I think, 3,000-year-old um, beehive uh, honey industry. Uh, so that was the first uh, indication that there may have been an industry of uh, bee honey here. So questioning whether it's still bee honey or whether it's uh, date honey. I still think it's date honey. Yeah, I, th- I guess. I, who knows? Anyway, we don't really know. But So that's the land of milk and honey. And um, now I have to say that Israel is extremely fertile. Uh, when you go through Israel, you'll see agriculture everywhere, from the north to the south, from the mountains to the desert. So uh, for me, uh, when I read the land of milk and honey, I actually read um, a rich country, meaning rich because of the soil being so rich. Right. So it doesn't have to be physical. It can also be uh, ideal. 
yeah. the land of milk and honey. Um, now, getting back to the, the I'm curious, do you, do you use uh, date honey, date Ceylon? I do, yes, uh, a lot, actually. Uh, I use it in my in cooking. I will uh, take chicken or meat and I will have it sit in a mm. sauce for a long time. And I love to do it with the, the Ceylon because I love to mix the sweet and sour. Uh, or sweet and salty. I do you say sweet and salty, or you say sweet and sour? Sweet and salt. Well, here they say sweet and salty. Okay, sweet and salty. Um, and I use it in my uh, vinaigrette for the salad. I like uh, the sweet taste of it. Yes, so I do a lot. Yeah, Diane will only because she does most of our cooking and baking. Mm-hmm. She. Oh no, sugar. She put. She okay. I use you sh- know, a Diane, bit of sugar. Remember, yeah. Diane is the person that that eats to live. Yes. So she doesn't use sugar. Um, but she will use uh, principally date honey, Ceylon, in anything that calls for sugar, or uh, and particularly in her challah. She makes challah every Shabbat. Yeah. Um, and she uses the Ceylon, the date honey, in her chalot, her challahs. Um, so we have jars and jars of uh, date honey stored in our in our cabinet. Ah, okay. So there there is a new place that opens uh, close to Angedi. We went there together, I think, didn't we? A uh, place where th- it's all about uh, dates um, on the way to Engedi. Oh, the new place? The yeah. The, they planted new date farms? That's yes. Uh, uh, there's a kibbutz across yes. the street that yeah. opened the... Exactly. Yes. So, uh, and the, uh, the, my last um, jars I got from there, I still have them. And they are all organic and whatever, very, very healthy. So, yeah, I I use it a lot less than uh, than Diane, for sure. But I do use it, yeah. So, the land of milk and honey, uh, probably goat milk and date honey. Amen. (laughs) All right. So, this week we have a question that uh, is from Susie uh, in Boca Raton. Um, She wanted to know... Uh, what is our favorite uh, Israeli musician? Do you have a favorite, uh, Leontine? Uh, yes, yes. Um, so, Susie, actually, I, is it okay if I have a few, or does it have to be one? What do you think? Uh, bring it. Okay. Uh, I, I always am looking for new uh, Israeli music. Ah, uh, so, there's nothing new about it, I have to say. Um, I, I'm... I'm not very adventurous, and I, I need really the advice of other people, so I'm hoping that you'll give me names of people that I don't know. My uh, Traditionally, my favorite singers here are uh, Shlomo Artsy, but he's like old. <laughs> he's, he was born... What's, uh, wrong? What's no. wrong with old? No, it's okay. He was He's like 15, 20 years older than me, but I really, really like his songs, and you, they play them so much here still everywhere you go. You'll hear his songs in the shops and uh, out of cars and so on. And I always get happy when I hear his uh, his uh, his music. He's kind of like the uh, Elton John or Billy Joel. I mean, because he's been writing music. He writes. Yeah. Uh, he's prolific. He's uh, very. And he's even yeah. still coming out with uh, new new yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's even a well, he's not alive anymore. There's even an older singer that, that I really, really like. I also get a, you know, it makes me feel good. Is Eric Einstein. Who uh, uh, Oliver Shalom? May he rest in peace. Exactly in in Tel Aviv. Yeah. Uh, he mm, he was an actor. By the way, Shlomo Artzi also played in a movie. But he was an actor, uh, a comic, uh, uh, apparently like a stand-up kind of actor. And uh, 
really nice voice, very, very pleasant and lovely, lovely songs. And then somebody of my age, I would say, is we call her in uh, Europe, we call her Noah. But here she's known under the name Achinoa Nini. And I, I sh her voice is amazing. I went to listen. So Shlomo Artsy, I went to a concert of him in Paris, actually. And Noah, I went to see her twice in Paris and once in, in Jerusalem. So, yeah. So those are the three uh, that I really like. And if you, if you have never heard of them, I do recommend you listen to their songs. Uh, they're wonder all of those are wonderful artists. Uh, and I, they're all up in my top ten list. Um, because I've been listening to um, Israeli music probably since I was 17. Started collecting at those time. That time it was uh, tape. You know, we listened to music on tape. Yes. Um, then when it went wrong, you had to uh, yeah <laughs> you, <laughs> with a, with a pen. You had to go into the radar to rewind uh, it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, I I have quite a collection. Today you don't have to collect your tapes. You you listen to it on Spotify, which is the service that we have. Yeah. You, I, I use Spotify to listen to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I listen to a lot of Israeli music on, on uh, Spotify. A lot of new, new artists and old artists, some more artsy. But my favorite, my, I had, when I was thinking about this question, um, I, I always go back to the same, same guy. He's my guy. Um, and uh, his name is David Broza. Ooh, yeah. He's yeah. wonderful. He, I agree. He, he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and I love one of his songs. It's a classic is called Yihi Yatov. He's talking about uh, the world. It's upside down. It's and this is 35 years ago. So things haven't changed all that much. As Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. But when he's talking about all of the, the troubles, the conflict in the world, particularly here in, in the Middle East, um, he says, Yihi Yatov. Everything will be all right. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. So yeah. I love that song, and, and I still love uh, David Broza. Yeah, he did some amazing concerts on Masada. Right, right. He yeah. does the Sunrise uh, yeah. concerts at Masada. I don't know when the last time he did it, but he, but it's, uh, I've never been. Have you ever been to his concerts on no, Masada? No, no, no. I, uh, I listen to him on, but uh, no. So that's our favorite music, uh, The Land of Milk and Honey. Uh, good episode, Leontine. Yeah. And have a great week. Shavuatov. Shavuatov. Thank you for listening to Yala Israel. Send your questions by email at yalaisraelpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at yalaisraelpodcast. This podcast was made possible with the help of Leia Kramer, our editor, Elliot Musses, our musician, and Shai Aloni, our cover art designer.